Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in episode 25 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz. And I'm joined by my co-host, the man of the myth and always the legend, Aaron Riley. Uh, first off here, Aaron, I want to apologize to our loyal listeners. Uh, we did not drop a show last week, and I want to take full responsibility for that. Uh, contrary to popular belief, Aaron and I do not make a living off this podcast. I know it seems like we do, but we don't. Uh, so I was unfortunately on a work trip all last week, and uh, we had originally planned on doing the show, but uh, life kind of got in the way there a little bit. So for that, I'm sorry. Uh, nevertheless, we're back with a vengeance, back with some hot takes as both of our NFL teams are own fucking free. I'm ready to go. Aaron, how are you today, my friend? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm recharged, ready to go. Uh, if we're talking technically, I mean, my team's 0-2-1, but what do you call a tie? Do you call that a win? Do you call that a loss? Uh, I call it, you know, nonsense and bullshit. So basically, we might go <laughs> in three. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely uh, bottom dwellers as well as the New York Jets at the moment so um yeah excited to get this week going uh and and like dan had mentioned you know we don't currently make a living off this podcast that's obviously yeah. part of the goal but yeah uh, at yeah. the moment you know uh life life does get in the way at times and and that's just something that that comes with uh, our life our lives at the moment all right let's get into today's topics and now for today's topics all right, so you mentioned you mentioned the Eagles. Uh, you mentioned the Eagles tie. We'll get to that in a little bit. And while I'm talking here, I want you to pull up the Donovan McNabb quote from back in the day. I know you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, when I think they, I think it was against the Bengals. Actually, they tied back in like I don't know. I'm going to date myself here. Probably 2005, 2006, 2007, uh, when he basically did know the rules for overtime and thought that if uh, two teams tied at the end of regulation in the Super Bowl, the game would end in a tie. So. Please pull that up while I'm getting to the other topics. Uh, well, a big slate here in the NFL. Obviously, the Jets are 0-3, coming off of a shit-kicking uh, <laughs> for the third straight week of the Indianapolis Colts. Kind of played the number one overall defense in the league. No excuses on to Thursday night. Uh, Eagles, like Aaron just said, tied the Bengals. Uh, Joey Burrow, not ideal, not great. Uh, some fake boost for Carson Wentz. Uh, Ravens Chiefs had a thriller on Monday night with the Chiefs coming out victorious. It seems to me that the Ravens and Chiefs, uh, I feel like, play like a Monday night game every season now. It's like mandatory for them to have a Monday night game. But uh, this is the third time that Lamar Jackson has lost to the Chiefs, and he has, I believe, four regular season losses and three of them are to the Chiefs. So, Or maybe it's four losses total and three of them are to the Chiefs. I have no idea. Um, but also, uh, you know, obviously not good for the Ravens. Uh, pretty good for the Chiefs, but – 
let's get into this matchup here. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looks like he's worth every single penny of that $500 million, million dollar contract. Side note, by the way, his fiance is now pregnant. I would say outside of Patrick Mahomes, this girl is having the best 2020 possible. Uh, one, she got Patrick Mahomes to uh, propose. Two, he signed a contract that she also gets half of if they get divorced. And three, she has now tied him down for having a kid. So not going to lie to you, probably better to 2020 than anyone has had out there besides Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, on the front of, of the game, I mean, I just think – uh, this is one of Lamar Jackson's uh, biggest issues going forward is he even said after the game that uh, the Chiefs are his quote-unquote kryptonite. Uh, and and that's accurate to say, obviously, now going to 0-3 versus the Chiefs. Um, in the first two games, uh, you can make the argument that he played almost as well as Mahomes in, in those games. Uh, the Ravens just came up short. Uh, in this one, he just didn't do nearly enough. I don't know, uh, you know, a lot of the experts were discussing where the Ravens, when they, when they tend to drop behind, when they tend to go down by 10, 14 points, uh, the way in which they play, they, it's hard for them to come back and, and really rally because they rely so much on the, the run option and, and just the running game in general that, um, you know, to get right back in the game against the team that can score so rapidly like the Chiefs uh, is extremely hard. So, uh, Lamar Jackson, he went 15 of 18, uh, sorry, 15 of 28 for only 97 yards passing and a touchdown. And he did have nine carries for 83 yards. So, um, you know, still putting up the, the running back style stats, but uh, not nearly enough to win this game. Um, you know, ended up losing by two touchdowns. So, uh, you know, watching, watching him play a little bit here and there uh, that, you know, I haven't watched a ton of Ravens football. I did see most of this game uh Chiefs really took over in the second half and, and asserted their dominance uh they scored 21 points in the second or I'm sorry in the second quarter um is when they really took over so uh yeah Lamar just didn't do enough uh he missed some some pivotal throws to the tight end and then uh that that same tight end Mark Andrews dropped a couple of passes that he should have he should have reeled in so yeah. I don't know going forward I mean you're if you if you're the Ravens, you got to go through Kansas City to to obviously get to the promised land, and yeah. they just don't have them figured out yet. Um, what's interesting is if you watch uh, last year's Super Bowl, the uh, the 49ers um, with just as good of a defense, if not maybe a little bit better than the Ravens, they they did neutralize Mahomes for about three quarters in that game, um, where the Ravens defense just can't really seem to figure him out. So uh, Mahomes definitely has the Ravens defense number uh and then Lamar Jackson can't really get it going against the Chiefs so that's just the the current situation not that that can't change but at the moment uh Lamar Jackson 0-3 versus Mahomes and, and this is probably his poorest performance to date against the the Chiefs 0-3 I, I also think we have to give Andy Reid some credit uh he had he had one of the touchdowns that Anthony Sherman the fullback scored he legitimately called all he got fullback underhand shovel pass uh, to go in like three or four yards. The end zone, that was pretty impressive. So I think Andy Reid's deep in his bag. Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator there, who knock on wood will be the Jets coach next year, is deep in his bag. Uh, I just think the way that this team top to bottom is operating is just on a different planet. Uh, and barring injury, knock on wood, hopefully this doesn't happen with any of their key players. I don't see them losing – you know, losing before the Super Bowl and in the Super Bowl. Obviously, you know, it's kind of a homer pick. It's kind of an easy pick to, to choose them to win the Super Bowl. But 
I just don't know how if they're playing like this in December, January, and then obviously early February, how are you going to pick against this team? You know, 49ers have obviously had their struggles, but most of their guys are hurt. Uh, Bose is out for the season. I think another one of their pass rushers out for the season. So if it's not them in the NFC, who do you look at? Maybe the Seahawks, uh, maybe the Packers, uh, maybe some other teams can sort of fly under the radar there and get, get and squeak into the Super Bowl. But I just don't see anybody from the AFC or the NFC beating the Chiefs if they can play like this. And I'd have to think the Ravens are their biggest competition and they just dispatch them pretty easily. Uh, so hot seat rest of the NFL. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, you can't really make an argument against them at the moment. Uh, I've watched, I did watch the Ravens play the Texans, and and they absolutely just look like, uh, you know, a million times better than than what the Texans could bring to that game. And then you you put the Ravens and Chiefs on the same field, and it, it's almost like they they can't compete up to that level. It's it's kind of amazing because, I don't know, I, I had a lot more faith in in Baltimore this year going in. Uh, you know, I, I had said early in the earlier in the season uh, that, you know, I think the Ravens would drop off from a record perspective a little bit. Yeah. But every time I see hey, your boy, play, uh, sorry to interrupt your boy, Colin Coward had to go on 16 and 0. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's Colin Coward for you though. So <laughs> shout, shout out to him making those uh, most of the time, terrible picks. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's just when I watched the Ravens, you know, I, I thought for sure they would bring a lot more to this game than what they had. And um, it is kind of astounding that the Chiefs are just one of those teams, no matter how much you can bury them, you know, even, you know, 21 points. Uh, it doesn't really matter if, if Mahomes turns the switch, uh, he can definitely come back and, and pull off a victory. So they're definitely the team to beat in the AFC at the moment, unless something changes. Uh, you know, like like you said, I don't really see a team – you know, giving them a huge challenge. It's just a matter of Mahomes staying healthy and those those players firing on all cylinders like they are now. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's it's crazy how uh, how good of a spot they're in right now. But before we move on uh, from this game to some other NFL topics, uh, the Monday Night Booth. Uh, I know Aaron and I had talked about it a little bit a few months ago before it was announced. Uh, we were able to shit on Booger. We were, we were able to shit on Jason Witten a little bit. Uh, the current booth, Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, and Lewis Riddick. Uh, Aaron, you said you watched the game. What are your thoughts? Uh, personally, I, you know, this is kind of a, the blandest Monday Night Booth you could possibly get. I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're amazing. But what are your thoughts here, here about this uh, Monday Night Booth? Yeah, that, that's kind of exactly how I feel. I mean, there, there were times where I was kind of just tuning them off, uh, you know, and just not even really paying attention to what they had to say. So, um, yeah, super vanilla, super bland. Um, I think ESPN as a whole is definitely going down uh, significantly in the last, like, I would say five to ten years, especially yeah. within the last five years. So yeah. just kind of more of the same from ESPN, unfortunately. Um, not, not a fan. And, uh, you know, I don't know what they're going to do to resolve it. I think the last good crew they had was when John Gruden was a part of it. So, oh, yeah. Um, John Gruden and Mike Tirico. Yeah, that's fantastic money. duo. Take it to the bank. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I like Greasy as like the play-by-play color guy. Like, not, I mean, not the play-by-play. I like him coming in with the analysis. I think he has a good voice. I, Steve Levy to me is like one of my favorite sports center anchors of all time. But like when I hear him call a game, I just get vibes of like Boise State playing like Idaho in like a bowl game. Like I, he just doesn't <laughs> have a big game voice to me and doesn't really. You know, I don't get the NFL vibe as soon as he comes on and over the airwaves. Uh, Lewis Riddick, to me, is an NFL Live type of show, type of analyst. I don't think 
he really has what it takes to be on Monday Night Football, and I don't really like the three-person booth as it is. I hated it last year and the year before, and I hate it now. But I like Greasy. I think if you put Greasy with, like, a, a more animated play-by-play guy, I think that would be an elevated experience. But to be honest, Steve Lee really isn't getting me out of bed in the morning, and neither, neither is Lewis Riddick. Yeah, that doesn't really inspire much uh, much greatness. And, and yeah, they're, like you had said, um, just not really like a big game type of, of crew. Um, I'm used to – I mean, I watch most of my games, I would say, on Fox. And yeah. I, I think Joe Buck gets a lot of uh, a lot of criticism for – I love Joe Buck. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan. I've been a fan, you know, ever since he, he came in. So Aikman's kind of whatever, but I like Joe Buck. Yeah, and, and Aikman, I, I'd probably take Aikman over any of the three – you know, Brian Greasy, uh, Steve Levy, or definitely Riddick. I think Riddick's yeah. uh, just not qualified to be – I don't know. Those guys are just – like you said, none of them stand out. None of them make an impact, really. It's just uh, they fill the spot. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be ecstatic to watch a Monday night game because of those commentators. They're just not not the ideal pick. They're just kind of seat seat fillers for now. It's well said. It's well said. Would you expect anything less from Ann Riley here? I would not. Uh, Aaron, I think I think the wait is over. I think the folks are clamoring at the edge of their seat. Palms sweaty. Mom spaghetti. Give me your breakdown of the Eagles' tie to the Cincinnati Bengals. Sure. So, yeah, unfortunately, like, you know, uh, you had alluded to, we, we do have lives outside of, of the podcast. I, I was working during this game, and then I was tracking it on my phone every – you know, three to three to five minutes, I was, you know, refreshing that page. But, um, you know, th- I did watch the highlights after the fact. Um, you know, there's a lot to take away from this game. Once again, you got Doug Peterson making terrible play calling. Uh, that's, I'm going to point that out as something that stood out to me immediately when, when this game ended. That was something that, that definitely bothered me. Um, you had Cincinnati's defense coming in, one of the worst run defenses in the league. Um, Eagles start running the ball pretty effectively with Miles Sanders. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, pass happy Doug Peterson says, enough of that. Let's just start throwing the ball first down, second down, and third down. So it makes things very predictable for uh, for Cincinnati's defense to make adjustments. Um, obviously, Carson Wentz continues to struggle. I don't know if it's the lack of weapons, the lack of trust, the lack of just route running that's that's being done. Uh, that's really causing him the issue. I, I think more so it's a mental thing at this point. Um, I definitely think the, the lack of weapons and, and things of that nature have something to do with it, but uh, just not getting the job done, sim- simple and plain. Uh, you know, the better the better quarterback on the field on, on Sunday was Joe Burrow, and it's, it's painful to say that because this is now Carson Wentz's fifth year, um, and then, you know, you both these teams have the exact same record and, and Joe Burrow's really, this is his third professional game. So right. uh, issues all the way around, um, you know, you got Wentz 29 of 47 for 225, a touchdown and two picks, another game with multiple turnovers. And then you got Burrow 31 of 44 for 312 and two touchdowns. No, I, I no, can't believe they're letting him throw the ball 45 times a game. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, Joe Mixon, Maybe the one bright spot is is the Eagles' defense uh, did sack Burrow about eight times and, uh, you know, kept Joe Mixon to under 50, 50 yards rushing on 17 attempts. But uh, once again, and then towards the end of the game, not to, to really draw this out, there's not a whole lot to be said about how bad this game was, but 
Uh, towards the end of the game, the Eagles were forced with a – it was a fourth and 13. Um, before the, the fourth and 13, uh, their offensive lineman, Matt Pryor, jumped offsides <laughs> with no crowd. Uh, so that backed them up, obviously, five yards. So uh, at that point, you know, Mr. Mr. Aggressive, Mr. Uh, risk taker Doug Peterson says, you know what, guys, we're just going to punt the ball away instead of either going for it on fourth and 13 at – uh, the Cincinnati, don't quote me, 40-something 40 yard line, um, you know, they either could have went for it or they could have they lined Jake Elliott up for a 64-yarder, which don't get me wrong that, you know, chances of that being hit are, are slim to none. But um, even in the fact that he didn't send the offense back out there, that, that shows enormous distrust in the, uh, in the offense and then almost in the defense because if they don't get it, uh, I think Doug Peterson – is scared to put the defense back on the field with literally 10 seconds left in overtime to a rookie quarterback that really uh, for the last, you know, few possessions didn't do much of, of anything. So, um, you know, I, there's, there's issues all the way around it. And the fact of the matter is that he didn't send the, he didn't send the offense out there to try and convert that fourth down that, that shows you that even Doug Peterson doesn't trust Wentz. Uh, what's that going to tell you about, you know, the fan base and the organization? They're, they're not going to trust, you know, if the head coach doesn't trust them, then there, there's just a, many issues here. And to be 0-2-1 is, is not really surprising the way this team has, has continued to play uh, on offense and, and really on defense all, all, all the way around. We'll get to uh, Wentz here in a second, but I actually, I actually don't hate him punting there because – like, like, if you miss that field goal, they're in unbelievable uh, position there to either kick a field goal right away, potentially, or make a play here and there, get 10 yards, get 15 yards, whatever the case may be, and then kick a field goal after that. So I, I, I know everyone's been saying, oh, Doug Peterson's the guy that goes for it in fourth down. He has a book called Fearless, for Christ's sake. Like, why doesn't he go for it? But I actually don't hate that. I know a tie is basically sort of a loss in the NFL and the optics of punting. Uh, to, to run out the clock, uh, you know, in, in overtime, obviously, is a tough look. But to, to me, if, if I'm him, I'm probably making that same call. And uh, I'd rather take a tie, I guess, than, than a loss. But, you know, then again, like, I don't know. I'm not an analytics nerd. But if, you know, a lot of people say that a tie is, is, just, as, is just the same as a loss. So uh, it's interesting to, to see the philosophy there. I know he had a lot of people come out and uh, – shit on him a lot a few people actually came to his defense though so um you know we'll see how how the rest of their year sort of shakes out but um you know i i guess we, we can get to Wentz here a little bit it's, we've had a, a sample size of three games here we can get to a similar point about sam darnold here in a, in a couple minutes but uh when is it time to put in jalen hurts and and what uh have you seen from Wentz that is alarming you uh this early in the season yeah, I think uh, that, you know, to touch on the first point, the first question, um, extremely hard to, to say, you know, when do you send this guy to the bench? When do you – I don't know if, if it's the right move uh, for the football team for, for Wentz himself, only because they they put themselves in a position where they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't because they, they signed him to a four-year extension, which doesn't even take effect till next season. So I almost at that point you got to put him on the – in my opinion, you got to put him on the trade block at least, uh, because the moment you send him to the bench is the is the moment you say, you know, we we given up on you. I don't know. I, I'm not one to to send a guy to the bench and then bring him back in. Uh, you know, let's say Jalen Hurts doesn't do much better. 
I don't know if you can really restore the the faith and the confidence in somebody after you you bench them, but obviously what what they're doing right now is not working. I I think it stems even further than what Wentz is doing. I mean, I think the play calling is just atrocious. I, I don't know what goes through Doug Peterson's head, you know, at least 50% of the time. Um, after the last game, he had said they'd asked him a question uh, down the stretch against the the uh, the Rams um, about basically about the uh, the execution on the one play. And, and Doug Peterson said, I didn't know if it was a run or a pass. I just wanted us to, to move the ball. And like that's just you just can't be like I don't know. It's just it, it's disgusting how bad this this organization looks right now. Um, so it it's just I mean through three games you got three touchdowns, six picks for Wentz. I, I'm not even sure how many fumbles he's lost. I think at least two to three. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it stems organization down. If I were to make decisions, if I was running the Philadelphia Eagles, I'd probably get rid of the GM faster than than anybody only because they they have no weapons they they've drafted terrible the last two to three seasons um so i i think it stems from poor roster decisions and and poor organization moves but obviously wentz is not not even close to getting the job done but it i don't know he's throwing to to absolute amateur garbage out there other than the tight ends yeah no it's that's well said by you uh it sounds like wentz isn't getting any help uh, now there's Sam Darnold. Uh, I don't know if you want to touch anything more on the Eagles or we can move to the Jets, whatever works for you. No, yeah, we, we can move on. There, it's, it's a dumpster fire in Philadelphia. And the funny thing is we're only a game and a half out of first place still just because of how bad everybody else is. So The NFC beast. All right, how about the Jets? Uh, you know, got shit pumped again, 36-7 to at the hands of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Sam Darnold started the game off hot, throwing a pick six, and ended the game off very hot, throwing another pick six, ending up with three interceptions total. Uh, he also threw a horrible red zone interception, um, ended up throwing for one touchdown for like 170 yards, 17 for 27. Not a great stat line, uh, not a great game, horrible coaching performance. Um, after Darnold threw that pick, uh, that pick six, the first one, they came back and scored, tied it up, looked great on offense. The rest of the game did absolutely nothing. Adam Gase, again, I'm going to say it for the second show. I think I said last or last show after they were down, after they were 0-1, that he needs to be fired. Uh, they actually play tomorrow night, Thursday night, against uh, the Broncos tonight, if you listen to this on Thursday. So if Gase loses uh, to a third-string quarterback in the Broncos, will he get fired? I don't know. Maybe. Hopefully we'll see. But uh, the defense – uh, did not come to play, even though, you know, the offense spotted them 14 points. Uh, couldn't really stop a nosebleed. Phillip Rivers, 38 years old, can't really move in the pocket. I mean, the Jets pressured him twice. I think they only got one sack, maybe one quarterback hit, something like that. So uh, just still playing like it's a different sport, still playing like it's a college team. Uh, the Jets have yet to wake up and are firmly in uh, first place for the number one overall pick. So, uh, I really don't know if anything's going to change. We're three games in, and I've seen piss-poor efforts all three games. And maybe it's Adam Gase. Maybe it's Greg Williams. Maybe it's the players. I have no idea who it is. Uh, Darnold is regressing, which is, you know, pretty tough to say. At a, as a you know 23-year-old quarterback in his third season, you think he'd be on the upswing. you think he'd be hitting his peak, hitting his stride. But uh, he has regressed and, and played worse in all three games. Uh, so that's not great and doesn't really build well through his future since the current GM did not draft him. So uh, as much as I love Sam Darnold as a person, as a guy in the locker room, 
as an ambassador for the New York Jets football organization. He is not putting it together on the field right now. He is not playing his best football. So at the end of the day, uh, it's a week-to-week league. It's what have you done for me lately? And the Jets and Sam Darnold are not getting it done. So it might be too early to talk about the number one overall pick, but I'm going to talk about it. Uh, Really, it's the Jets and Giants who are kind of the shit in the basement of the league. So uh, I fully expect us to be picking one or two. Uh, and we'll probably take a quarterback if that's the case. Maybe we'll trade out of the spot and get a King's ransom for the number one overall pick. But uh, in, in long story short, that's really the Jets uh, in a nutshell. I hate talking about them every week, but I'm sure next week I'll be talking about another loss to the Broncos who have, like, everybody under the sun out with injury uh, right now. But uh, just the unfortunate state that the Jets organization is in right now. Do you do you think going forward, I mean, do, I mean – what this is this is his third season technically yeah. speaking um do, do you think like they have to cut ties with him or do you think you you bring in a new coach uh, a new system give him one more shot in a new system and and see what he can do or, or are you okay with them moving on from from Sam Darnold after I mean you, you've seen him through play three games small sample size this season but yeah. what uh what, yeah what no your... small small sample size for sure it's it's a good point uh if they win like three games, I would cut bait. If they win like six or seven with this roster, I'd probably give them a chance. I just looking at the rest of their schedule, I just don't see many games that are winnable. Uh, you know, they play the Cardinals, they play the Patriots twice, they play the Chiefs, they play the Chargers, they play the Bills again, uh, they play the Seahawks, they play the Rams. Maybe you take one out of two from Miami. I don't know. They play the Browns. Uh, later on in the season, I just don't see them winning more than two or three games. And if that's the case, like how valuable is a quarterback at that point? I get he's throwing the trash cans out there and half the team is hurt. But at the end of the day, if you're a franchise quarterback, if you're a blue chip player, if you're a blue chip quarterback and you have the capability to lead your team to the Super Bowl, you probably should be elevating the guys around you. Uh, yes, I, I, I do think that, you know, offensive football and, and football in general is predicated a lot on coaching and Gase definitely will not be the coach next year. That's a foregone conclusion. But uh, I think really the only mystery we have right now is if Sam Darnold's going to be there. And I, I'd have to say if they win three or four games or less, he probably won't be. As I said before, Joe Douglas, the GM, did not draft him. Uh, he was on the Eagles when the Jets drafted Sam Darnold, so he has no ties to them. If they have an opportunity to take Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, I think they should do it. And if they don't, uh, it's probably going to be a big mistake. Yes, I think Darnold will have some success moving forward in the league with some other team, with some other coach who actually can call plays to his skill set. I just think Adam Gase is detrimental to Sam Darnold's career right now. Yeah, completely understandable. I mean, I'm one of those guys, um, you know, I I might be like knee jerk and I might make decisions where like I'm thinking in the moment. um, So if I'm the Jets, I I probably – I, I cut ties with the coach first. That's how I look at their their organization. I, I don't know how you feel about the GM, but um, yeah, I, I think you gotta you gotta get rid of the coach. He's not he hasn't made really any type of difference. It seems. I mean, when you're getting blown out, like and, and that's how I look at. You know, if they're competitive, that's that's different. But you know, you gotta at least bring back uh, competitive football. You got to at least stay in these games, give give the other team a, a run for their money. So it's tough. I, I feel for you. Trust me, this is the, the season has not gone the way I thought it would, um, not even in the slightest bit. So, um, yeah, I think Sam Darnold's a kid with, with confidence. I mean, I'm sorry, a kid that, that plays with confidence at times, but um, on that 
team on that roster with not much protection and, and not many people to throw to. It, it's it's extremely difficult, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, maybe he would do better somewhere else where they have a, a better system in place for him because I've, I've seen him at times show greatness, but um, consistently, obviously, he's just not not close to getting the job done. So I know I know where you're coming from. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, when you, when you mention uh, competitive football, uh, the Jets are the only team in the NFL to not hold a lead at any point during a game this season. So I think that just you know puts it all out there and, and spells the disaster that you know that surrounds this team right now. Gase uh, will not survive the season. I don't expect him to survive probably the next four weeks. I think he'll be gone by midseason. Uh, to be honest, what does that accomplish? Probably not much. But you know, at the end of the day, I think. If he's out there, he's obviously, you know, hurting you guys when he's in the locker room and he's coaching on the field. So with him out of there, maybe they get inspired to win a couple more games. But at that point, I, I honestly would just like them to get a head start on, on you know, other coaching candidates instead of waiting until December and, and only having like two weeks to decide who who's going to lead your football team for the future. So maybe they, whether they look to the college ranks, whether they look to some other offensive coordinators or some other previous head coaches like, whatever their process is going to be. The GM, I, the GM point is interesting. He's only a year into his tenure. He got hired um, after Gase did. They were friends and boys back from their time in Chicago. So I don't think he's really tied to Gase as many people think he is. I think uh, a lot of people are speculating that he signed a bunch of these guys to one-year deals and he has a lot of cap space to play with. And a lot of people are speculating that he didn't spend that cap space to sort of force the owner's hand and fire Gase and move on from Darnold because he wants his own guys in those seats. So I can't really say I hate the move because Gase was a wrong hire to begin with. I just kind of feel bad for Darnold, as I said, because he really hasn't gotten a fair shake um, since he joined, since he joined the league, since this organization has been a dumpster fire. But if that's what it takes to get this organization on the right path, I think that's just the price that we have to pay. Yeah, real quick, I was thinking about that the other day, how, uh, you know, these guys want to come out and be, you know, in the first, you know, really you want to be in the top 10 picks as a, as a college player. But, like, every time that the player goes, like, top, you know, I look at Baker Mayfield, for example. I mean, granted, he has a better, like, offensive roster, for sure, than Sam Darnold was blessed with. But yeah, it's one of those, you know, he has coaching. He has coaching disasters, and it and it's a dumpster fire there. So. It's almost like, you know, these guys, you know, obviously they get picked high because of their talent, because of their, their skill set and, and things of that nature. But they go to these organizations where it's just – it's so – they haven't won in so long that it's, it's extremely difficult for one guy to come in and, and make the difference to where they can, you know, compete for the division, compete for, you know, uh, a playoff berth and things like that. And I'm not – you know, I'm not making excuses for Sam Darnold or – or Baker or any of those guys, but it, it's tough when you go to an organization where they don't have like the New England blueprint where it's right. you can just plug people in and and win games. So I I feel for him in that aspect. You know you have you have to overcome a lot just to to win games at this point. No, it's yeah, it definitely sucks. But uh, you know uh, it, it's a good thing that the sun comes up tomorrow and and football will come back next season. I hate to say that after three fucking games, but. <laughs> I don't think there's a chance we win more than two, uh, but stick with us, folks. Uh, we'll be reacting to every game from here on out, so uh, you get get a feel for my misery, and hopefully the Eagles turn it around so at least one of us can uh, 
start enjoying some winning football. But just to get to some more NFL topics, um, I wanted to bring up some of the teams that are three and O. Typically, three and O teams, uh, you have some contenders and you have some pretenders. So let me read off the the three and O teams as we stand right now. We got the Seahawks, the Bills, the Tennessee Titans, the Chicago Bears, the Chiefs, the Packers, and we finish off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So. Out of those teams, Aaron, are there one or two teams that you think might fall off the wagon and be considered a pretender in the next few weeks? Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I look at some of those teams where, like like Pittsburgh, I don't know if – I mean, I think they're they're definitely a good team. Uh, are they a great team? Probably not. Um, yeah. The Packers are, are red hot. I mean, the Packers have been scoring a, a ton of points. Um, I, I picked them at the beginning of the season to win that division. And I, and I still think they will. So I, that's one of those teams I think they're they're definitely contending, um, not pretending. But um, Seahawks, I, I, once again, that's a team that's it's red hot. But uh, Russell Wilson's really carrying that team. So if he if he falls off even in the slightest bit, I think they they lose some games because they've been giving up a, a good many points in all their games. So uh, Chiefs Chiefs are going to continue to to play red hot. I, I anticipate they're just going to outscore you. Uh, and t- Tennessee, Tennessee's a really good team this year so far. Uh, that division can really go either which way as, uh, if the Colts can, pretty, you know, play consistent, I would say they can at least compete for that division. I'm not going to say they're going to win it, but, yeah. um, a lot of these teams I do, I do think are, are contenders. I think the Bills have looked amazing so far. Uh, they look like one of the best teams in the NFL through, through three weeks. I mean, you know, take it for what it is, but. I think they'll they'll at least compete for the division with with New England because you can never count them out. So, really, the only one I would say that that maybe falls off a little bit is, is Pittsburgh, only because I don't <clears throat> excuse me I don't know how good their their roster is, um, you know, long term as far as like can they compete with the Ravens all season long? Not sure. Um, they're gonna that, have to yeah, do- that's a, that's a good point. Those would be good games, Ravens Steelers. I I think their defense is one of the best in the league, but can Big Ben hold up for another season? I don't know. And, and maybe he can, and maybe he'll bounce back. Obviously, last year was a wash for him. And, and you know, I'm, I'm interested. I think they might play each other coming up here soon, whether it be this week or next week or the week after. So uh, I think that'll be the true litmus test for the Steelers to see if they're actually a contender. But if they get past the Ravens, I think we might talk about the Ravens being sort of a pretender. But uh, it'll be fascinating to watch nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, another guy that, I mean, they played. They played Houston this past week, and and it's. I don't know if you ever look at like if this team beat that team in comparison. Oh, oh to man, the, I'm all I'm all over that all the time. Okay, yeah. So so Baltimore pretty much uh you know handled Houston no issue at all, and then Pittsburgh you know squeaked out a win against Houston. So if you take that for what it is, I mean I, at the beginning of the season I would have told you Baltimore is better than. Than, than Pittsburgh, but obviously Pittsburgh is rising to the occasion. I mean, they're they're not playing as good a teams, uh, excluding Houston. I I think Houston's a better team than they than their record indicates. I just think they've run into to really good teams to start the year. I I don't think Houston's a bad 0 and three team. I just think they're they're probably like a 500 level team at, by the end of the season. Uh, maybe a little bit better even if they go on a roll. So. I mean, Big Ben's got seven touchdowns and only one pick, uh, passer rating of over 100. So, you know, so far so good. But, but like you said, let, let's see if he can keep it up, you know, through through half the season and then through the the entire season when you got to play Baltimore twice and, and you got to play. I mean, 
they, the Steelers don't have the hardest division or hardest schedule as as they're playing the NFC East this this year. So we'll see what happens. It's well said. It's well said. Uh, what can we look forward to this week? And Aaron, who do who do the Eagles have? Uh, Eagles have the reigning Super Bowl losing uh, 49ers. So oh, it doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't get much easier. Uh, doesn't the, the only thing with that game it's it's in prime time and it's it's no Jimmy G which I'm fortunate for that uh you know uh, as much as I'm not a Jimmy G fan he definitely makes them better than than what they have uh as far as a backup is concerned but um you know a ton of injuries on the Eagles I, I don't know if they can even squeak out this one with with a backup quarterback for San Fran because now we uh we lost the, the best tight end really on the team at the moment Dallas Goddard he's out yeah. this week um, Deshaun Jackson, absolutely an injury machine, a walking living, uh, walking emergency room. <laughs> um, once again, goes out, you know, this past week, what just a waste of an investment to say the least. Um, but yeah, I don't know if they can even squeak that one out. If I was a betting man, I'm probably taking San Fran. Uh, they're on the West coast. So, um, no fans, but still, I, I just think San Francisco is a far, far and, uh, head and shoulders better football team than than the Eagles are. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't know if they can even compete in this game. I'd be surprised if they can they can win that game. Yep, and as I said earlier, the Jets have uh, the Broncos on Thursday night football. Uh, they are playing their third string quarterback, so it will be, folks. Not it might be. It will be the worst game in NFL history. Do not watch it. I have to watch it uh, because I'm a Jets fan through and through, and I was right with my team. But I don't want to watch it. I have to watch it. Uh, if we're talking about a Jets loss to this team, uh, I, I won't have any hope. As, as little as I have left, I, I certainly won't have any after after tomorrow night if uh, they do, in fact, get run out of the building. So uh, if you want to hear more hot takes and more misery about uh, the NFL, uh, stay, stay, stay with us next week. But I think for now we got to transition to baseball, Aaron. Uh, I know we haven't caught up with baseball in a minute, um, and, and I think uh, you know many many of our listeners might think of be might think it'd be a sacrilegious to talk about baseball, but uh, it's a playoff, so I think we're gonna we're gonna go for it. Um, we got some games going on tonight. Obviously, a lot of games were going on uh, yesterday. Uh, teams are set. Uh, so, Aaron, and give me, give me a couple of teams you're looking out for. I'll give you a couple of matchups here. In the, in the AL, we have Blue Jays, Rays. Uh, we have the Astros, Twins. We have the White Sox, Athletics. We have the Indians, Yankees. In the National League, we have the Brewers, Dodgers. We have the Marlins, Cubs, Braves, Reds, and the Cardinals and Padres. Um, last night, there were some great games. The Yankees obviously took game one off the Indians, and – uh, their star pitcher Shane Bieber, uh, Yankees smashed him. I think it was like 11 to two or some shit like that. Uh, the Rays are about to be two games up on the Blue Jays, which you know, look out for the Rays. They're pretty impressive. They've sort of been the Yankees' kryptonite this year. Uh, sticking with the AL, uh, the Astros just beat the Twins for a second straight game, and this stat is actually crazy. Uh, dating back to 2004, the Minnesota Twins have lost 18 straight playoff games. That is insanity. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely think with the uh, expanded playoffs, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I was I was following a couple storylines um, with the with the Phillies. I know the Phillies, uh, all they had to do this past weekend was win one game against the Tampa Bay Rays, and they would have been in the playoffs. <laughs> uh, they got swept and got murdered in all three games. So Sheesh. just a, a side note, uh, kind of funny, kind of 
unfortunately, uh, you know, the Phillies just don't have much pitching and they didn't have any pitching really all season. So the Brewers snuck in. I think the Brewers are going to get absolutely destroyed by the Dodgers. Um, yep. You know, uh, I think, you know, your, your Yankees shouldn't really have a problem with the, with the Indians. I do, I do give the Indians credit in the fact that, um, you know, Terry Francona turned that team around pretty quick. They were garbage for like years. And then Terry Francona comes in and, and they start winning and they at least, you know, enter the uh, playoff picture, I'll say. So um, Yankees, I just feel like the lineup's too much for the, for the Indians. Um, they got pounded last night. I think it ended 12 to three. Yeah. 12 to three. 12 to three. So, I mean, Whenever you're giving up more than 10 runs, you're probably losing that game. So uh, I look for the Yankees to, to succeed in that series. Uh, I kind of think the Reds-Braves series is going to be a good one. I just think those teams are going to match up pretty well. Um, yeah, they had a uh, – just before we, we started recording, they finished up a 13-inning game. It was scoreless until Freddie Freeman uh, knocked in a walk-off RBI single to, to end the game one nothing in 13 innings. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, I think I just look at both those teams as, you know, being very comparable in, in pitching and, and just uh, overall lineups. I don't think – I don't really think anybody has the edge. That's why I think that one will be uh, at least a competitive series. And and you bring up the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, a team that's absolutely red hot. Um, I think they're really the team to beat in the AL, in, in my opinion. I mean, I know you got the Yankees lineup, which is going to strike fear into anybody, but I just think the, the Rays – from top to bottom are, are really, really playing at a high level. And when, you know, when they go to play, I, th I think the Yankees and Rays will meet. I think that'll be a hell of a, se a series. And I, and I look forward to that. Um, other than that, I mean, it would be, it would be kind of, you know, it would be one of those things where if the Dodgers don't make the world series, I'll kind of be surprised. Um, I do have a little bit of faith in the, in the Padres, but not enough to say they're going to get over the, uh, the Dodgers. Um, but the Dodgers are, are the masters of choking in the World Series. So if they go, I expect them to probably choke again just because that's all they've been doing for the last, you know, three to four seasons. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Dodgers out of the NL as well. And I'm going to stick with the Yankees. I, I have to. Um, it, it's definitely a homer pick. Um, <clears throat> and I know I know the Rays have, have beaten on them pretty good this season. I I, I'd watch out for the White Sox as well. Uh, you know, as much as I hate the Astros too, I'd watch out for them as well. Uh, but I, I think the Yankees are, are, you know, with Garrett Cole obviously, you know, leading off their rotation. They have Tanaka. Uh, they have Debbie Garcia. You know, they have Montgomery back there. They have a pretty sick bullpen. Chapman obviously closing. Um, I, I just think, you know, if, if they can turn around, the bats are all – that's the problem with the Yankees. They've been inconsistent this year. But – when the bats are on, they're fucking on fire. So if they can keep that up like they did last night, um, I, I look for them to easily dispatch the Indians and then hopefully, uh, you know, get past uh, some some of the other opponents. But it, I think if, if, you know, if they meet the Rays, they'd have a hard time. But I'm, I'm going to stick with them. I think uh, the bats are going to be overpowering. Um, and, and also baseball is going to go into a bubble here. I think the AL is going to be in – San Diego and the NL is going to be in Arlington, Texas, where the Rangers play. So I think that throws a whole nother echelon, throws a whole nother wrinkle in, into this whole storyline of, of, of baseball in their season. So we'll see whoever reacts to that the best and might honestly come out victorious, but uh, it'll, it'll be worth monitoring and we'll definitely have some baseball updates for you all next week. Yeah, certainly it's, it's just that, like you said, it, it adds another, another wild card to the mix. Um, and 
And I think with the expanded rosters, I don't, I don't know if they're going to continue to do that. I'm sorry, extend, ex, expanded, uh, you know, playoff format. I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if they'll continue to do that going forward. I think, obviously, they'll, they'll see the, the extra revenue from it, and, and they'll definitely discuss it. But the fact that the, the Brewers got in and, and they're not very they're, – they're not a very good team, you know, it kind of – you know, I don't want to say it saturates it, but to a certain extent it does. So, yeah. No, it's uh, like like we said, baseball. It's uh, I think it's starting to get interesting. Obviously, uh, the regular season once it kicked off was regular baseball basically, but it's kind of impressive how we've gotten to this point where we've had no more COVID scares and things like that. Um, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how these playoffs uh, play out in the, in the following weeks here. But uh, let's get to the NBA and uh, get to a little bit of a finals preview. Uh, since we last reported, the Lakers. Knocked off the Nuggets in six games, uh, I believe, or maybe it was five. I think it was six games. Um, Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong here. Or research department, maybe you guys fucking step up for once and correct me. And then the Heat uh, dispatched the Celtics. I believe that was also in six games. Uh, so I think the Lakers, uh, not really a shock here. Aaron and I have been pumping the Lakers tires for the last few months. Everybody expected them to be in this position or at least have gotten to the Western Conference Finals since the start of the season. Uh, the only real surprise with them is that they didn't play the Clippers in the Conference Finals. I think everybody expected them to go 1-2. But uh, nonetheless, they can't control who they play. They can't control who's in front of them. They can't control who's on the court with them. So the Lakers go against the Miami Heat. Obviously, LeBron James has some history with them. Uh, trying to get some revenge, I think, against Pat Riley for the comments that Riley said. Uh, when LeBron James left the Heat back in 2014. Uh, the Heat, no one really expected to be here making uh, the fifth seed and going all the way, riding Jimmy Butler, riding Tyler Hero all the way to the finals has been pretty fun to watch for me. I think they have a good team with Iguodala, with Bam, with Drogic, um, with some other guys, you know, playing the role that, that they do. I think they're an exciting team. I think they can score in ways, whereas the Lakers are pretty top-heavy, and I think Anthony Davis is going to be the key uh, for the Lakers, I think he's been their best player. You know, you could argue LeBron James is their most important player um, since he often acts as a decoy and can pass the ball like no else. But I think Davis is their most important player. And if he's getting 35 a night, there's no chance that he win. I think Rajon Rondo is also a key factor in there. He has, I think, uh, outside of LeBron and AD, some of the best plus minus stats uh, in the playoffs for all players. And then I think uh, – there's some stat out there when he gets 10 plus assists a game, the Lakers are undefeated. So um, Rajon Rondo kind of resurrecting his career here and playing some, some decent basketball in the playoffs. And uh, if Kyle Kuzma can actually wake up and show up for once, uh, he was kind of quiet in the Western conference finals, but didn't really need to be that active because LeBron and AD combined for over 60, almost every game they won. So um, Aaron, why don't you give us a couple of storylines? I know I kind of uh, broke down some, some high level topics there. Um, surrounding these these finals, but uh, why don't you go ahead and give me some breakdowns and give me some players you're looking out for to have some have some big time games. Yeah, I think uh, you know obviously Jimmy Butler has has done everything in his power to get the, this team here uh, in regards to the Miami Heat. I think uh, you know he's going to have to come up absolutely massive in these games to to even have a chance. Just because you know LeBron, you know AD are going to put in numbers, uh, they're going to do work. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting from the perspective of, you know, I always like seeing a, an underdog team make it the whole way there. I If you would have told me the Miami Heat would have made the playoffs, I, I probably would have laughed in your face. So huh. um, one of those things where, you know, if I just want them to make it a series, obviously, you know, 
it's well documented. Uh, I'm not I'm not the biggest LeBron guy. I don't really want to see him win another chip. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those uh, it's one of those seasons. It's not even one of those seasons. It's really the only season that is so dynamically different from you know any other regular season, any other postseason, just because of of COVID nineteen. Um, obviously, they, it looks like they're playing in a like um, summer league gym type style. It's just it's weird. Um, but I think, you know, for the Lakers, you want, you want the, uh, you know, the, the secondary players to, to really at least make an impact. So you're talking like Danny Green, Caruso, um, Rajon Rondo, those guys, um, you know, how much are you really going to need them? I'm not sure. That's what I'm kind of intrigued to, to take, you know, to, to really see how that plays out. So I think for the, for the heat, uh, Tyler Hero is going to have to show up huge. Uh, Jimmy Butler's gonna have to play great. Uh, you know, really everybody on, on the on the Heat is gonna have to play out of their mind just to, I would say, keep up. Only because I think, you know, especially AD, I think they're gonna have a problem with 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 covering him. Uh, so I just want it to be a series. If I'm a betting man, I'm probably picking the picking the Lakers, but um, don't really know. I, I'm I'm really curious to see how these teams match up. I thought. I thought Denver would match up with the Lakers better than they did. And right. they absolutely got destroyed and blown out of the building in, in just five games. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think the Lakers probably win this finals in a, in a weird, weird season. You know, nothing to take away from them. That's why they play the game. There's a winner and loser. But it's just been uh, – the, the whole playoffs have been weird. It doesn't feel like um, necessarily the playoffs to me still or the finals for that matter. I'll say I've said it uh, before, folks. I'll say it again. This is the best defense LeBron James has ever played with. Uh, Anthony Davis should have been the Defensive Player of the Year. LeBron James is great at defense. So is Rajon Rondo. So is Kyle Kuzma. So is Danny Green. So is Alex Caruso. Uh, so is Dwight Howard. So is JaVale McGee. I don't see the Heat winning more than more than two games. I'll go, I'll go Lakers in six. I probably should say Lakers in five and a gentleman's sweep, but I'll go Lakers in six. Uh, defense, defense, and defense is going to be the key to this series. If the Lakers, for some reason, stop defending, I would not be surprised that the Heat in their zone play if they can take a few games or even win the series. But if the Lakers continue their stout defense uh, with Frank Vogel coaching them up, I do think they take this series pretty handily. Uh, I'm a LeBron guy. That's, you know, we've made that quite uh, popular uh, public here on the podcast from day one. Aaron is not. So uh, sort of your classic skip uh, and Shannon debate here. But uh, <laughs> I'd like to see him get another ring. I think it's, you know, you talk about any sport, baseball, hockey, football, basketball, one of the toughest years to win the championship just with everything else going on outside of the arena, if you will outside of sports. So um, I, my, that's my pick, Lakers in six, Lakers in five and a half, whatever you want to say. Um, and I know Aaron might go with something similar here, but I'll let him give his prediction. Yeah, just to, just to be objective, I'll take the Heat in six. Or no, I'll oh, say wow. Heat in seven. It's going, to take, it's going to take seven games if they win this. So I'll, I'll say Heat in seven um, just because, you know, I, I don't want LeBron to win. So – uh it's one of those things you know my heart my heart is telling me that the, the Lakers are going to pull this off but uh I just got to pick against them because I you know that's who I want to win so I'll say heat in seven games I'll be shocked if it goes seven games but I just hope for a competitive series um 
And yeah, like you alluded to, with, with the COVID-filled season, it's just it's bizarre. I thought I hope for next season that they can at least just get fans back, and obviously not play in these like summer league style gyms. Yeah. It just doesn't look right. It it hasn't looked right all all season, and then you know to have the virtual fan wall almost like the the draft is I don't know. It's just corny to me. Uh, I, I get why they're doing it, but it's just it's just terrible still. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very very much looking forward to getting back to a sense of normalcy, uh, you know, next season for sure. Uh, to finish up here in the podcast, uh, you might have missed it. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the Dallas Stars in six games to win the 2020 Stanley Cup. Uh, they won the Bubble Cup, uh, Bubble Hockey Cup. Uh, I, for one, am not really pleased. I'm not a big fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have a bunch of former Rangers players on their team that somehow have gotten better since they left New York, which is pretty frustrating to me. But nonetheless, good series. Uh, two small market teams, which, you know, didn't really generate much buzz, which is sort of how hockey goes. If it was, you know, New York, LA, New York, Chicago final. Uh, if it was a Montreal, you know, insert popular Western Conference team, I think uh, it would have been a – probably had some more popularity surrounding it. But nonetheless, good hockey. A uh, bunch of the games went into overtime, but – uh, Tampa proved to overmatch the Dallas Stars, unfortunately, and, and take it in six games. So uh, those guys just left the bubble. I believe it was yesterday, um, and they got to return to their families after two and a half months, which is always good to see. So kind of a weird year, obviously, for the NHL and, you know, and teams in the bubble, no fans, everything like that. But um, they did announce they're going to push the season back until January, which will be nice because that will lead right into football next year. Uh, sort of how hockey did this year, and the Rangers actually have the number one overall pick in next week's draft. So uh, that's talking hockey. Does Aaron, Aaron, do you have any questions for me about, about the NHL? <laughs> uh, how much better do you think the Rangers get between – well, let's just say – how much better are the Rangers next season in comparison to this past season? Okay. Uh, this is – okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the question, but I'm not going to answer the question. So – no. Kind, of a, kind of a heartbreaking uh, story to talk about here. The Rangers just uh, bought out the last year of their uh, last year the contract of their goalie uh, Henrik Lundqvist, the, the best player in New York Rangers franchise history, has been the goalie for the past 15 years. Uh, was the best goalie in the league from probably 07 to like 2015. Uh, MVP finalist, won the best goalie award in 2012. Led them to a Stanley Cup final. Led them to, to two conference. Uh, Conference championships, uh, won a gold medal with Sweden back in 2006. Uh, so he won't be on the team for the first time since 2005. Uh, they do have cap, as a result of that, they do have cap space to play with. They just traded another player, Mark Stahl, which saved them $5 million in cap space. Getting the number one overall pick, re-signing some key guys, and probably trading for a number on center uh, probably puts them, I would say – five to 10 games better, which, you know, we'll probably have them squeak into the playoffs. I don't think they're there yet. I do think they have a lot of blue chip players on offense. I think the defense needs some work, but they do have one of the best farm systems in the league. And once those guys get of age and get of NHL caliber, they'll probably be the best team in the league in two to three years. Uh, you can put that in the bank. Um, but yeah, nonetheless, it's a tough day for Rangers fans as we mourn the loss of Henrik Lundqvist, who is the king has been the king, always will be the king, and will forever be a ranger no matter where he ends up next year. I love you, Henrik. You're the man. Uh, you deserve better. <laughs> hey, I mean, there, there's something to be said for a guy that's been with one team for, what, you said 15 years? So that, 15 years in New York. 
Yeah, my, my hat's off to him, especially, you know, uh, those players that stick around when, when they're not winning, you know, championships. That, that, that's more power to them. That, that's why I got respect for my, my main man, Damian Lillard, out there in uh, Portland. But um, he'll be a Laker yeah. next year. It's all right. Nah, then I give up. So, <laughs> uh, no, I think I think really, um, you know, going forward, you know, this is, this is the time of year that we're kind of as sports fans living for. Uh, you got MLB going. You got any uh, NBA playoffs. MLB playoffs, like I said, and then uh, NFL. And now you got the Big Ten coming back here in just a, a few weeks. So uh, college football is going to be big time. Uh, you got those, the sports leagues finally into the, the, play, the uh, finals as far as the NBA. Uh, and then baseball with the expanded playoff uh, format, I'm, I'm curious to see. Um, but I think, you know, the, the teams might look like uh, who we had picked early in the season, excluding maybe the, the Rays if they can, uh, they can beat the Yankees. We'll see. But uh, it's exciting times. Uh, it's not exciting times if you're a, a New York Jets fan or an Eagles fan. But uh, it's it, nevertheless, I think, uh, you know, I think this NFL season is going to be really good. And I, I think there's a ton of storylines that, that have me intrigued. I still think uh, Tampa Bay is, is, is going to do pretty well, uh, especially because now it looks like the Saints might not be as good as I had predicted. Obviously hard to say through three weeks, but we'll see how that plays out. There, there's just a ton of things going on, it's, and it's exciting to at least have it back on. Damn straight. Take us home.